Up next, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio. Remember, send us a text, 2053, 2057. What am I saying? I've got 53 in my brain. 2057. And inbox at reallycheck.radio. Special edition of Politics Explained with Rodney Hyde and Tane Webster. Why? Oh, haven't you heard? Coalition agreements have been signed. Oh, my goodness. For the first time in my life, I'm excited about politics. Tane, what do you make of it? Well, no, that's my question to you. But oh. I, thought, I, thought, I thought first we could go over the fact that neither of our predictions were correct, especially yours, because you were saying you, that. Especially yours. Uh, so if there were any uh, listeners out there that did get it right and you've got some evidence that you did, send that in. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, two deputies, 18 months each. What do you make of that? Crazy. I mean, it's constitutionally, you know, odd. There's like the deputy prime minister fills in when the prime minister. It just shows a, a terrible squabble. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. David Seymour should have been the bigger person. Winston Peters is the senior politician here. You be deputy. It ties you up. And apart from bragging rights, there's nothing in it politically. So David Seymour should just let it pass. In fact, the disappointing thing are the portfolio allocations. Um, that's what the media is uh, focusing on. And um, I think they are New Zealand first, one hands down. They've got some big portfolios. And ACT have got some stupid ones. Uh, let me just explain. Um, David Seymour is Minister for Regulation. Uh, I was that. Um, and, you know, that's not like a big department swinging underneath you with power. It just gives you sort of a roving brief and he's got a piece of legislation to produce. And then everything else is associate uh, education, partnership schools. That's good to see the policy through. Associate Minister of Finance. Don't know what that means. Associate Minister of Health, Pharmac. Well, that's good because it relates to their policy. Then we go Brooke Van Velden. She's a Minister of Internal Affairs. That's an absolute zero. Internal Affairs has something like 17 ministers. And one minister overseeing that department with no policy functions. Uh, ministers for Workplace Relations and Safety, that's a nothing, unless there's a big accident, in which case the Prime Minister would take it over. So that's a nothing. Minister for the Courts, Nicola McKee, that's a zero. Absolute zero. You're looking after the courts. I mean, what does it mean? Just seeing that they're funded and they've got the budget? You're not actually making policy. Uh, Andrew Hoggart, he's outside Cabinet, Biosecurity, Food Safety. I'll just then go back. There was one, wasn't there, for Nicole McKee, Associate Minister of Justice in firearms. brackets firearms. Is and that's that... great. That's great for firearms because we want, you know, that liberalised. Um, so that's great. But my point is they're not hefty portfolios with grunt. Then you go to New Zealand first. Oh, hold it, hold it. Maybe you should continue as you were. You were going to say Andrew Hoggard. Oh, Andrew Hoggard, biosecurity and food safety. Yeah, okay. Relative to farming, they're important. But don't forget that every big decision is a cabinet decision. Um, Karen Chaw, uh, Minister for Minister for Children. We used to never have that, right? Uh, Minister for Prevention of Family and Sexual Violence. Again, these are these are almost made up positions to show that a government cares. They're not big policy. Uh, the big policy one for children is actually, you know, the justice. Right. Um, Simon Court, this is the worst one I've ever seen. Parliamentary undersecretary. 
a parliament undersecretary. That's what you invent when you want to give someone a job that actually does nothing. That you entire government stand and fall with never having a parliamentary undersecretary. No one has figured out what a parliamentary undersecretary does. And he's parliamentary undersecretary to the Minister for Infrastructure and the minister responsible for RMA reform. So goodness knows, goodness knows that one. Um, crazy. But then you go to New Zealand first. Oh, great wins. Minister of Foreign Affairs, huge. Uh, racing, huge to the racing industry. Uh, Shane Jones, Oceans and Fisheries, huge. Regional Development, huge. Minister for Resources, huge. And then you go to nothing. Because Casey Costello's customs, zero. Seniors, zero. Um, and then associate ministers. Uh, Mark Patterson, rural community, zero. Jenny Maycroft, oh, this is the this is the biggest non-job I've ever yet seen. She is the parliamentary undersecretary to the Minister for Media and Communications. Did you know we had a Minister for Media and Communications? No. Hey, no. just go back one. Mark Patterson, Minister for Rural Communities, does that not carry any weight? Does that, no, that... what's, no, because it doesn't even have a department. Right. I mean, it's a title. And... He's Associate Minister of Agriculture. I and mean, yeah. that's good, isn't it? Oh. Well, Associate Minister with no responsibilities that are announced here. So hey, when you're an Associate Minister, with no particular description, you can do what the Minister for Agriculture lets you. Right. Which could be nothing. When you're, when you're a parliamentary undersecretary, I don't know what happens. So look, I've been disappointed by that negotiations and the Deputy Prime Minister's uh, ship. I'd say New Zealand first being experienced with Winston Peters cleaned up. One big wince. Going across to the actual agreements, Oh, my goodness. On the face, 10-minute read, tremendous. Tremendous wins to the ACT Party. Tremendous wins to New Zealand First. Tremendous concessions by National. I think their policy agreements are extremely exciting. Um, I mean, just it's a complete reversal of so much stuff that I hate, and I'm sure I'm not alone, you know. Um, an end of special treatment because of race. An end to everything being written in pidgin English. An end to government departments being called with their Maori name. A return in law and order to three strikes and punishment. Um, all of that stuff, to me, is huge. Co-governance, gone. Um, the 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 three waters gone. We spent seventy million on that. People all got jobs on that. Gone. It's just ended immediately. Um, Auckland Light Rail gone. That's tremendous stuff. And then I go across to um, New Zealand First. Likewise, back to having a a, a single a single um, language and one standard of citizenship, irregardless of your race. So equal citizenship is back being a feature of 
New Zealand. Imagine this. Confirm that the coalition government does not recognise the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples having any binding legal effect on New Zealand. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that wonderful? And then, of course, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. New Zealand first. Ensure um, publicly funded sporting body support fair competition that is not compromised by rules relating to gender. Mediocre males can no longer put on a skirt on their way to a sporting event and compete against females. Fantastic. Across the board. That's what that means. Imagine this. Um, I just, oh, oh, I've got to read you this. It was a, a removal of all that sex education and gender education of our kids in school. Protect yeah, I saw some people on uh, Twitter were upset about that. I bet they are. Look, you just got to look at the people that are upset and you feel excited. Um, I've lost it. Oh, I'm so upset because I want to read it out. Oh, over, I've got the quote over, here. Over. I've got the quote. It's, it's, well, this is according to Twitter. Hopefully they've quoted it properly, but it's refocused the curriculum on academic achievement and not ideology, including the removal and replacement of the gender, sexuality, and relationship-based education guidelines. You have no idea how important that is going to be for protecting our children. What we had in place was, there's no other word for it, was requiring teachers to groom kids for sex. And that's gone. I hope they do the libraries as well. But get this from uh, New Zealand first. End all COVID-19 vaccine mandates still in place. Ensure as a matter of urgency and establishment and completion a full-scale, wide-ranging, independent inquiry conducted publicly with local and international experts into how the COVID pandemic was handled in New Zealand, including covering use of multiple lockdowns, vaccine procurement and efficacy, the social and economic impacts of both regional and national levels, and whether the decisions made and steps taken were justified. We're justified. I want to take that to bed tonight and cuddle it. I just think that is so wonderful. Here's another one. Here's another one. Yeah. Investigate the reopening of Marsden Point Refinery. Yeah. I think this includes establishing a fuel security plan to safeguard our transport and logistics systems and emergency services from any international or domestic disruption. Yeah. Um, remove co-government from the delivery of public services. As a matter of urgency, issue a cabinet office circular to all central government organisations that is government's expectation that public services should be prioritised on the basis of need, not race. Oh, my goodness. Stop all work on Hipoa. There's going to be squeals of outrage from all those that were on the grift. And, of course, um, at have not got a referendum, but they've got their bill, their treaty principles bill, supported to select committee for public input. And I think that'll get ahead of steam on and be very hard to stop. And so we'll get the treaty focused back to what the treaty originally meant, not what it's come to mean. Yeah, I've heard uh, different opinions, and I think one of them is that the, the referendum approach has its, you know, 
merits, but it would potentially take a long time. And so yes. there are faster ways to get the change that needs to be done. Ensure uh, all public service departments have their primary name in English. Imagine that. You're not going to have Waki Katoa. You're going to have the Ministry of Transport again. It's going to cost them millions of dollars. They'll have to rebrand and come up with <laughs> all the new letterhead, but it's worth it, right? Um, oh, let's also protect freedom of speech by ruling out the introduction of hate speech legislation and stop the law commission's work on hate speech legislation. So apparently they were working on that. Here we go. Refocus the cur curriculum on academic achievement, not ideology, including the removal and replacement of the gender, sexuality, and relationship-based education guidelines. I'm taking that to bed. That's a cuddle. Oh, it's um. Oh, well, there's one more big one. One more big one, Rodney. Ensure a national interest test, that's in quote marks, is undertaken before New Zealand accepts any agreement from the UN and its agencies that limit national decision-making and reconfirm that New Zealand's domestic law holds primacy over any international agreements. As part of the above, by 1st of December 2023, reserve against proposed amendments to WHO health regulations to allow the incoming government to consider these against a, quote, national interest test. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Isn't it great? I saw another funny one, uh, and the funny one was at requiring a cost-benefit analysis being done on National's proposal to bring in 10 million or 10,000, probably 10,000, charging stations for electric vehicles. And they said, oh, we'll support that, but we want a rigorous cost-benefit analysis done. Um, I imagine it won't survive a rigorous cost-benefit analysis, and I don't know what that's Sort of a polite be. way of knocking it down. Yeah, um, but it's quite funny because they say, oh, we're going we're gonna to support it, but we want a cost-benefit done. Well, if the cost-benefit comes back and says this is a loser, um, even National can't support it. Um, look, I think... Anyone who voted for New Zealand First or for the ACT Party because of their policies should be extremely well pleased. Anyone who voted for them. I think anyone that voted for National for particular policies, well, you've been pushed back a bit, but I think in a direction that you'd like and you'd be proud of. It's sort of like, more national than national with the two agreements, as far as I can tell. Forget about who's minister and who's what. That doesn't matter. Our big job over the next three years is to hold this government to account for these agreements and their policy promises, mm -hmm. and also to assist the government in having our best interest at heart and working together. I don't think it boded well with some of the things that David Seymour was saying through the negotiations, squabbling over him having more ministers or him wanting to be deputy prime minister, saying that in public. That was very unseemly to me and ego-driven. But the two agreements, brilliant. Uh, let's hold them to account for it. Let's get this. I've got a few a few random questions from some anonymous but highly highly respected people. 
so one of them said, ask him about Seymour's new ministry for regulation and if it will succeed where his Acts Productivity Commission failed. I think the Productivity Commission was something Rodney helped to set up and obviously it ended up being captured by leftists after he was gone. Yeah, I think it's great. I was Minister for Regulation and I worked on a regulatory responsibility bill. Um, I think from memory, we didn't get it passed. I think National knocked it back from memory, but I, I, I could be, I'm vague on that. So another crack at that would be huge. The work's all been done. The Productivity Commission was wonderful in Australia. It had a great uh, chief executive or director who made it work. Here in New Zealand, we started off well, and then Labor came in, and they appointed someone who was dead against productivity, and you know regarded the only way to have uh, productivity was to have equity, which you know ensured its opposite really. So it was a complete failure, and I'm pleased to see it go because it was embarrassing anyone that was interested in productivity. So I think that's good, and I think having a minister for regulatory responsibility is good, because regulation in total affects the economy just like the government's finances. And so we tend to have a minister for finance looking across all departments and their spending, mm. but we don't have a minister looking across all departments and their total regulatory burden. So it's a good role. I loved it. I wish I could have been there longer to do more. The other uh, question that was sent in, do you think Seymour and Peters were just pretending to want Deputy PM as a bargaining chip and each called the other's bluff? No, I think they were serious. The fact that they've split it 50-50 shows that they were serious. And it was King Solomon, Chris Luxon, who decided to cut it 50-50. Uh, I got a text from someone who wagged, wouldn't it have been easier if they'd done day about, you know, David Seymour can be minister on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, and uh, Mr. Peters can be deputy prime minister. Did I say deputy prime minister? Tuesday, Thursday, uh, what would it be? Saturday, and then Monday. Um, that's how crazy this is. But it's two egos needing to be massaged and Nicola Willis and Chris Luxon being the adults in the room that settled it by giving them both the job and splitting it 50-50. But I think it makes David Seymour look the lesser. Uh, the reason I say him and not Mr. Peters is that Mr. Peters is a very senior politician. Um, and we always joke that he's given over to the baubles. Well, let him have the baubles. You know, let him be Deputy Prime Minister. What would have been the harm? And it would have generated some goodwill and some maturity, but instead they squabbled and got half and half. I think it looks sad. Yeah, so all in all, it's a it's a great Friday. It's a great Friday. I thought the sales were great because I got myself a pair of headphones that I've always wanted. And um I was pleased with my headphones, but these two coalition agreements, it's cuddle time, better than, you know, my teddy bear, because, um, oh my goodness, how much have we wanted some pushback on men thinking they can compete with girls, um, pushback on what's happening in our schools, 
uh, pushback in terms of lifting standards in our schools with partnership, pushback on uh, free speech so we can have free speech, get rid of these hate laws. Um, the COVID inquiry, oh my goodness, in public with people able to give submissions. Oh my goodness, this is a wonderful, wonderful day indeed. There you have it. That's Politics Explained. A What is it? It's like meeting under urgency uh, to yeah. discuss the formation of the <laughs> government. And yes, all my predictions were wrong. And I'm pleased they're wrong because I think we have potential for reversing part of the big slide that New Zealand's been on. And yeah. I'm so excited about that. And I have to say, I'm going to enjoy all the gnashing of teeth and the yelling out by those that were benefiting from these power plays because they have been cut off at the knees. Wonderful stuff. Thank you, Tane. Thank you, listeners. Have a great weekend. Oh, and send us a text, 2057, and email me, inbox at rallycheck.radio, with your thoughts on this new coalition. You've been listening to Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR, Reality Check Radio. 